Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik Chonko, and welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Today's guest is Anish Manrai, the Assistant Director of Community Programs and Services for the Columbia Association on the topic of pickleball, which is the fastest growing sport in the U.S. Anish provides a masterclass in everything you need to know from why the sport is booming to how to market it, drive revenue, and much more. Enjoy. Hi, Anish. It's good to see you and welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Hi, Rachel. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to talk about this topic, which is pickleball, something I know you're very passionate about. <laughs> um, it's a growing sport in the country. You have to embrace it. It's, it's yes. a really cool, addicting sport. Yes. Yeah. I feel like a pickleball courts are kind of popping up everywhere. We're actually having a huge complex uh, installed here in Louisville, Kentucky uh, by the end of the year, ne- early next year. So super excited wow. about that. Yeah, no, it is. It is cropping up everywhere. And now there's even indoor facilities that are coming up everywhere. It started outdoors, but now indoors are cropping up everywhere as well. Yeah, very cool. Well, um, yeah, tell uh, our audience a little bit about yourself uh, to start um, and your organization. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Again, the name is Anish Manrai. I'm the Assistant Director of Community Programs and Services for the Columbia Association in Columbia, Maryland. Uh, We are home to about 105,000 people in the city of Columbia. Uh, Columbia Association is a not-for-profit community services organization. We are all about enhancing quality of life and providing opportunities to folks far and wide in our community and beyond. And last week, we also got awarded the sixth best place in the nation to live by Money Magazine and the best place in Maryland. So it's a really community. Uh, We operate everything that Columbia has to offer, whether it is sports and fitness, community services. Uh, We got about 95 miles of open pathways. We have taught lots, art centers, teen centers, school age programs, you know, before and after school care, Um, you name it. And we have our hands in a little bit of everything to really kind of enhance quality of life in Columbia. Very cool. Um, But yeah, Tell me a little bit about your pickleball offerings and what as well, how long you guys have offered it and um, how many locations that you have it at. Yeah, so we informally kind of debuted pickleball here because it is the fastest growing sport in the nation. So back in the summer of 2014, we launched pickleball here at Columbia Association. We began by just putting some blended lines on some of our outdoor tennis courts at one of our outdoor facilities and started kind of growing the sport from the grassroots level. Uh, you know, come full circle, the sport has continued to grow at very exponential at a very exponential pace that actually back in 2018, uh, when we were building a brand new indoor tennis club and we're going to get rid of one of the outdoor club bubbles that we had, at that point, we said it was a really good opportunity for us to convert two outdoor hardcore tennis courts and we built a beautiful state-of-the-art six-court pickleball facility with lights. So, you know, folks are even playing till 10, 11 at night out there. And that those courts are pretty much maxed out every day of the week and the weekends. We also offered indoors. We don't have permanent courts indoors as of now. However, we have kind of put lines on the indoor courts and markers where we can tape off the courts very quickly. And, you know, we have sold indoor block time for pickleball this past indoor season. We have hosted all kinds of introductory lesson programs, uh, open play opportunities, league play opportunities, instructional clinics, private and semi-private lessons. It just continues to grow. 
And actually, this coming weekend, we are playing host to the largest pickleball tournament in the Mid-Atlantic region. It's sponsored by the big pickleball company called Eula. It's the Eula Pickleball Open, and we are hosting it at our CA clubs and are anticipating anywhere from 600 to 1,000 players competing over four days. Wow. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of where we're at with pickleball in our region. And uh, I've got now three dedicated staff, uh, you know, people on staff for pickleball, a coordinator, two coaches, and the the requests and leads and prospects keep coming in daily for more pickleball. Wow, that's significant for sure. What do you think is driving the pickleball boom and popularity? So, you know, for starters, it's a very social activity. So Anytime when there's these social opportunities, the people gravitate towards that. Then you kind of talk about the fact that it's not as intimidating as some of the other sports and there aren't as many barriers to entry because like some of the other sports out there and pickleball is moving slowly in that direction because now people are playing it pretty seriously. But everyone is a lot more inviting of people at varied levels. Um, they know how to kind of rotate and figure out how to play with each other. So a lot of that is kind of allowing people to flock into the sport. And then, you know, for folks that are also, let's say, not able to compete at some of the other sports that they historically did because of maybe some ailments or other things, Pickleball presents that opportunity where you can still be active, but within the parameters of what you can afford to do kind of thing. So when you look at all of these things, but really I would say the social aspect is very, very key because it's not just about playing a sport. You know, people from different walks of life come together. You know, they have little get togethers after pickleball. You know, it's it's just driving, the social component drives it substantially where some of the other sports do fall short on that because it could be hyper competitive as compared to pickleball. Yeah. No, I think that's great to know because I know a lot of clubs right now are seeking to kind of expand beyond that 80% of um, people that they normally reach. And it sounds like pickleball is very inclusive and, of course, perfectly aligns with that social community element that clubs provide as well. Yeah. And, you know, and we stand for inclusion at CA in every which way we can think of. And so, once again, this kind of speaks to our broader mission of creating connections and opportunities that uh, continue to kind of bring in people from all walks of life together. And, you know, the fallacy that pickleball is more for the seniors is absolutely a fallacy because I've got now juniors who are kind of youth program participants in our tennis program have now taken on playing some pickleball in instructional clinics as well. So I've got millennials, you know, coming after a long work day. The young professionals who are looking for something later in the evening. They're able to come and do stuff. So it's really appealing to actually all user groups and all age demographics. Yeah. Well, let's say a club is like, they're like, I'm on board. I want to offer pickleball. <laughs> what do they need to kind of um, get started? What do they need to keep in mind? What are some key considerations? Yeah, you know, it's very important to kind of be methodical and not just say, I know this is exploding. I just need to go all in because you also want to make sure that whatever you start to put out there, you're being thoughtful about it. You're making sure that you're getting feedback around it so you can keep curating what you need to keep offering. But you definitely need to have a good launch pad in the form of introductory lesson opportunities because you do want to bring people into the sport, but also teach them how to play it because then that's going to enhance the retention piece of it as well. So you want to have entry-level uh, opportunities. 
But then you want to start creating some of those other environments where, you know, if people have already got some background in pickleball because they may have relocated to your area, you want to have some strategic pickleball clinics where folk, people are focused on more on the situation-based training of pickleball and understanding how to play out points and construct points. You, know, you definitely want to have some league play opportunities as you start to build more of a critical mass. You want to start now having these opportunities where people can come from different groups together and still kind of even out the playing field. But again, creating more of that social competitive atmosphere and league play. Open play is also very important because, you know, if people are left at having to try to find court time and book court time and play, it may not always work out. So what we have done is we have designated three or four times during the course of the week for like two hour blocks where we actually reserve the courts on behalf of the community and we communicate this out to the community saying you know, this is reserved for open play, you know, feel free to come on in, you don't need to really sign up. Uh, we also encourage people to share information and contact information with each other. So that way they're kind of broadening their network base of people who are playing pickleball. And then what we've also started doing is pickleball has really become a great vehicle for some team building opportunities, whether it's internal, but also external. And I'm also now starting to work with some local companies to put together corporate pickleball leagues for their employees and everything where, again, you know, where time can be of the essence, you know, you don't have to commit to maybe more than two hours, but you can bring everybody together. I can involve my team to provide some general instruction. So there's so many amazing opportunities that pickleball is morphing into that we are still kind of scratching the surface and kind of almost adapting to things as uh, that are being presented to us and not saying yes to everything necessarily, but evaluating saying what makes sense and then kind of going into it. So there's a lot of opportunities there. Yeah. And then what about from a logistics and operations perspective on what kind of surfaces are required, things like that? So right now, you know, a traditional tennis court surface works extremely well for pickleball. So even if you're not making a dedicated pickleball court, your traditional tennis courts, if you have some dead times during the course of the day or nights or whatever, you can do some programming around that. If you do not have, you know, ten tennis courts that you need to be able to utilize for pickleball, it's not the best, but it works well enough. You could use a basketball court to also set up pickleball courts. Uh, in fact, what I've done in one of my fitness clubs is that we have actually taken the basketball court in addition to basketball and some of the other activities we house out there, we've actually put down uh, lines for six pickleball courts on there. And that's being actually launched today as we speak, we're opening up that arena to also allow for indoor pickleball there. So an arena floor is good enough as well. Um, if you also have some clay courts, some hard true tennis courts, the green clay courts, we have found that even that surface can lend itself to some decent pickleball. There are balls and equipment being made that kind of will work well on that surface as well. So again, I think that's another reason why pickleball is growing because you can almost play it anywhere and you don't need the real estate like maybe tennis does or something else does. You know, it may not be perfect for the pickleball player, but hey, it's better than no pickleball. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, what about, you know, driving ROI or increasing um, the value of pickleball? What are some best practices that you've gleaned? Yeah. So, you know, the challenges at the start with pickleball were that in general, people did not want to pay for pickleball. They wanted the courts. They wanted the, you know, the court, the opportunities, but somehow for whatever reason, there was this 
take away that maybe I should not have to pay for pickleball. And I think that is part of the education and the awareness and the patience that we have had to also put in place to have those conversations with the users, to help them understand that it's not any different than any of the other sports that we're offering out there. Just like tennis players, they have to rent and pay for indoor tennis courts. Why shouldn't the pickleball players do the same thing? But also helping them understand the economics from the standpoint of, hey, you know, when a tennis court is rented, You've got four tennis players paying for, let's say, the 60 minutes or 90 minutes of court time. However, because of how pickleball courts, the dimensions of the pickleball court are, you can actually set up two pickleball courts and one indoor tennis court. So even if you have eight people, now you're spreading, you know, spreading the cost eight ways or even more because they're so used to rotations and they don't mind waiting out for a few minutes. So you're really kind of bringing down the cost per person substantially. So again, that should not truly be a barrier. And then when you look at kind of the indoor environment that we have to offer, I mean, it's state of the art. I mean, the best lights, the best, you know, best of all of that. So you're getting value for what you're spending money on. So that's one of those things. So pickleball over the last 24 months for us has really now started becoming a profit center, which it wasn't before. And that's why I think I, I can see a lot of operators resisting from trying to bring in because it is not bringing in the ROI. But now, you know, when I'm doing these instructional clinics, I'm doing private lessons, I'm doing the leagues, I'm doing this corporate league. Like, for example, you know, I'm doing this corporate league. It's a four-week league with about 10 players from a company. It's bringing in about 250 bucks an evening over two hours. Why not? Yeah. You know, plus I'm exposing the sport. Now, okay, it can be, it's incremental, but it's more than kind of paying for itself and it's starting to become a profit center. And when you start putting all of these pieces together, you know, it is adding up that that is why we are open to more and more opportunities to launch pickleball and other options in pickleball, because it is now becoming a profit center. And as long as we can make sure that that is happening, it's a good thing to do. And I think this is where anyone who's interested in launching pickleball or offering pickleball, don't succumb to the initial pressure where someone's going to say, I don't want to pay for this, help them understand why and how you're going to provide value for what they're going to be paying. And if you can have that conversation and make may take a couple of different times to have that conversation, once you can overcome that initial hurdle, then the sky is the limit. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, yeah, that's really interesting to hear about the evolution of it too, from like the consumer's perspective. And it just really become I mean, this legitimized sport that does have a lot of value attached to it. Yeah. And, you know, like, for example, on a Saturday this past winter, and it's already I'm already getting a request for this. But this past winter, I had a one I had one tennis court that, you know, was not consistently being used for something tennis oriented between 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. on a Saturday, at one of my indoor locations. And I had pickleballers come and buy off five hours of block time for 35 weeks. And I was able to get consistent revenue for that one court, which it would have been hit or miss all season. But, you know, they were happy because they were able to get about 30, 40 people out there, rotate and play and have a fun time. They brought, you know, a portable sound system and they had a blast. So, and I was able to send five hours of indoor court time for every Saturday for 35 weeks. Yeah. Wow. So Very generated you know, a decent amount of money with that as well. So, you know, there's, there's some opportunities. You just have to have an open mind and be creative and listen to what they are looking for and then see how does that fit into the big picture of what you have to provide. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so I've also heard that there can be sometimes beef between tennis and pickleball players. Is that true? And is that becoming less frequent as pickleball is becoming more established? Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's a, it's a good question because 
I definitely encountered that earlier on, but I kind of realized that part of the reason of some of the friction was actually driven by staff because some of the traditional tennis coaches or tennis programmers were so passionate about tennis and not necessarily open to embracing another sport that our members were picking up on that level of discomfort from staff itself. And then that was morphing into the friction saying, really, nobody wants to have pickleball, including staff. So I think as long as the, the, the staff representing the organization openly and transparently has these conversations and shows that we're embracing all of this and we're going to find ways to have both user groups coexist and then just deal with individuals on a case-by-case -case basis by having those conversations and hearing what the concerns are and then figuring out what are some of the solutions to that. Generally speaking, it does put a lot of this angst to rest, but the key is you're going to have to put yourself out there and have the conversation with both user groups but you have to come across as someone authentic that you are looking to support both sports and more if needed, because ultimately we are an inclusive organization. You know, in, you know, it's all about diversity of programming. And our job is to make sure that we're really taking care of the entire community and no one is getting any preferential treatment. So, but it's about having those honest conversations and discourse. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, what about marketing pickleball? Any tips for clubs on that front? Yeah, so, you know, I think one of the most important things that we were able to do was we were able to kind of team up and partner with the local pickleball association, the Howard County Pickleball Association, which is now got over 600, you know, active members. You know, in fact, the person I hired to actually help launch the pickleball program was one of the founding members of the Howard County Pickleball Association. So we started to build that relationship and kind of make an ally that way. Uh, so then they, they could also continue kind of communicating with that user group in Pickleball about the value of kind of coming and doing things at Columbia Association. So that is definitely important. Um, of course, all of your general marketing mechanisms are important to kind of get the word out there and everything. But the other thing that we found a lot of success with is doing a lot of events and showcase opportunities to enhance visibility. So some of the unique things we did were we actually teamed up with Nike to hold one of their adult pickleball camps, one of the first ever that they did in the Mid-Atlantic. We actually played host to that at our pickleball club. You know, Colin Johns, who is one of the top players in the world, actually came and led the clinic. So again, oh, wow. there's a lot of visibility there. So that brought in a ton of people and we got some press out of that as well. So that helped. And then, you know, pickleball was having, there, there was this opportunity to, to kind of set an informal world record for the longest lasting pickleball game with points and this and that. So we actually decided to host that informal thing and got a lot of buy-in from pickleball players and the local pickleball ambassadors, which are part of the USAPA, which is the United States, uh, you know, Pickleball Association. And we spread the message around. Um, and we actually started this match, so-called match, and made about 35 to 40 people register for it. And it began at about eight in the morning and went till all about, you know, about eight o'clock at night for like 12 straight hours. People rotated and played in and out for this ongoing match. And we played over 700 points. One wow. of the local TV stations came and covered it because it was this unique thing that, you know, CA was doing in one of its clubs around pickleball. And they were hearing about pickleball and now this world record thing was going on. So, you know, it's, it, all of these unique things were kind of raising more questions and kind of put, you know, putting it on people's radar. Uh, you know, hosting this, you know, this tournament that we're going to be hosting this weekend is going to 
really enhance our visibility even more because we got people coming from all over the region and some even nationally for this big tournament. Uh, and you know what the title sponsor is one of the biggest brands in pickleball. So there's so many sponsors that have come out through the world to support this event. So when you look at, so if you can do some of these things, which should not be a heavy lift because you can get volunteers, you can team up with local pickleball associations. I mean, you can't even pay for this kind of publicity. There's no yeah. marketing campaign you can run internally that can give you this kind of exponential publicity. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's really important to understand who the key pickleball uh, players and associations and clubs are in your community and really get involved with them. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, as long as they all understand that you truly want to support the sport and you can overcome that, because I think for whatever reason, again, I can't really put my finger on it, but somehow when pickleball started growing there was this absolute feeling that nobody wanted pickleball around mm -hmm. and so everybody was coming from a place of like i know you don't want us but we are going to be here and so that does not lend itself to a good initial conversation when you kind of start <laughs> from that place but i think you know over time we have absolutely overcome all of that in our community as well tennis players are becoming a lot more embracing of it we have continued to position pickleball as an extension and complementary to tennis also for all the tennis players. And we're really positioning ourselves as a total rackets program and not just tennis and pickleball, but a total rackets program because there are a lot of complementary skills one can actually utilize from one sport to the other. Uh, you know, we did a test pilot this summer with our entire junior program in tennis to actually involve, you know, about two hours of pickleball two or three times a week as part of their tennis academy training, which has now lent itself to some uh, youth programming for the fall and people have signed up for that. So again, just keep your mind open, try different things, be creative, be willing to kind of fail in some areas, but go with the lessons learned and keep applying yourself. Yeah. Yeah, this has been a great crash course in pickleball. <laughs> I feel like if you had to give a TED talk, this might be it. It could be it. I mean, you know, again, <laughs> I, you know, I'm a lifer in tennis. I mean, that was my background before I went into more of the business side of running operations. But, you know, I realized very quickly that there's no reason for the two of sports to be clashing. I mean, it makes no sense from a consumer standpoint, from a user standpoint, and definitely from an operator standpoint. You know, I just had to make sure that we were patient enough to have those conversations and listen to everybody and say, OK, let's see what we can do. And even now I have people coming to me and saying, hey, why don't you build an indoor pickleball club? And it's not that we don't want to build an indoor pickleball club. Everything is a process. And so mm -hmm. as continues, as pickleball continues to grow and evolve and become more of a profitable, you know, uh, setting for everything, then automatically some of these other things become a more uh, natural conversation and, and, and kind of process to kind of building other things but you can't just go all in and without even having something and say i'm just going to put in and build an indoor facility so you know it's a, it's a process and as long as you're approachable and transparent people are going to respect that yeah makes sense all right well are there any final pieces of advice that you could share on pickleball you know i think the other thing i look at as pickleball from a pickleball perspective it is it is absolutely a way for us to grow membership sales and again this is kind of good for everybody right we all as operators that is the backbone of kind of how we operate is membership dues revenue and you're going to tap into an audience that is looking for opportunities to try something different if you don't put something out there you know you could potentially lose these individuals who have the discretionary income to spend on something like this 
you know, build a place, get them in, even if you don't build a permanent structure, find a way to include it in what you already have in your club. And it opens up another avenue for membership sales. And which is why we have actually, you know, put those six courts at our fitness club now, because anyone who doesn't have those fitness clubs as part of their existing membership, it becomes a great conversation with everybody about upgrading their membership to include that fitness club for pickleball. Wow. <laughs> yeah, great to know. Yeah. So as I said, embrace it. It's here to stay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate you um, taking the time to come on here and share all of your pickleball knowledge. It's been, it's been awesome. It's my pleasure. And I appreciate the invite and uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If anyone has any questions, you mind if they reach out to you? It would be my pleasure. Absolutely. So I'm sure, yeah, you can just put my information out there and uh, we can go from there. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you, Anish. I really appreciate it. And that wraps up this episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Thank you for listening. And if there are future topics you'd like me to cover in upcoming episodes, please let me know at rachel at clubsolutionsmagazine.com.